Muckspout and Bonfire Press present Chronicles of the Essence Guard The Devil's Reckoning by Eric Cockrell and Chuck Pino Read by Michael Goodrick July 8, 1405, Huron, Switzerland A stale air hung heavy outside the makeshift tavern in the center of town. It wasn't uncommon for the space to be occupied by many of the shopkeepers around the noon hour, and today was no exception. Conversation and laughter erupted as a large man flung the door open. The dirt on his boots spoke tales of a life of manual labor, but the white shirt adorned by a red vest told a different story altogether. Your fields are flourishing this season, Soren. Come join me for a drink. Conrad shouted to the man as he pulled out the seat next to him, motioning for Soren to sit. Soren made his way to the table and took a seat, acknowledging the man with a nod. The two could be brothers, each sharing a light brown head of hair, though Conrad's beard was longer and he stood a half foot shorter than his friend. Much appreciated, Conrad. I had to expand this year as they're sending men from Hawk's Castle in the coming week, and they're sure to expect the crops be ready. We've barely enough for the locals in most seasons. It's wearing on me, friend. I've been spending some long hours in the evening tending to them. It's a crime. The haps should be strung up. Conrad spoke excitedly as the sound in the tavern dropped to a whisper. The pair glanced around, meeting eyes with nearly everybody in the room. There was an uncomfortable aura around the room, and a few patrons immediately left. Soren looked back at his friend with a glare. Nobody's looking for that kind of trouble here, Conrad. Maybe we can discuss that elsewhere at another time. It's for that exact reason that they are able to continue. Soren adjusted his demeanor to a more assertive yet lower tone. If it's reasons you want, it could be their armies, it could be their wealth, it could be that they can hide behind castle walls while squeezing our people for every penny we have. It could be the eyes and ears they have in nearly every place of business within their reach. There are reasons, and it would serve us well to switch subjects. How's your family, friend? He ended with a grin that was met with an eye roll. Soren, that subject is the only thing that matters. I'm done with cowering. I think I've found a solution. I'm not here to gossip about our problems. I'd expect the Butcher of Burn to be up for a fight. There is no longer a Butcher of Burn. My days of battle are long past. I'm only here for some lunch, Conrad. Let's have some food and... Conrad was persistent. He ducked his head lower to the table and leaned forward toward Soren. I've made a new friend that has offered me the power to do what needs to be done. Soren met his tone. You speak of revolution, Conrad. This is not you. That is not us. We may be unhappy, but whatever it is you're thinking about doing, no good can come of it. Conrad was irritated that his friend that suffered the most under Habsburg control was not interested in his solution and knew he needed to switch tactics. Perhaps you're right. You've always been the older and wiser between us. Anyways, construction on the new wagon barn is nearly complete. Could I ask you to stop by after you're finished in the fields tonight for some thoughts? Soren relaxed. Yes, friend, he said with a hearty laugh. It'd be my pleasure. Well, I'm going to head back to the shop. Conrad rose from his seat. Soren raised an eyebrow. So soon, what of lunch? Old and wise, but also late. I ate long before you arrived. I've got business to tend to. 
Conrad patted his friend on the shoulder and approached the bartender across the room. Soren leaned back in his seat and closed his eyes for a moment. Thoughts of the things Conrad had said invaded his consciousness, no matter where he tried to take them. Revolution? That's the stuff of stories anymore. This is real life. There will always be the men in the field serving the men in the castle. Later that evening, the last of Soren's men stopped by the pumping station where he stood, scooped some water into their cup, and said their goodbyes. Take care, Liam. I'll see you at sunrise. Soren, friend, try and get some sleep tonight, Liam replied as he headed back down the trail away from the farm. The farmer turned and walked toward his house. It was a large home for a commoner, but not a lot of space within when you house a family of six. As he strode across the lawn, he thought of Conrad and his revolution. He could never do that to his family. Losing them, or them losing him, is not a risk he was willing to bear. He got that out of his system long ago. Soren pulled open the door and shouted, I'll be back as soon as I can. I've got business with Conrad. He reached in the door and grabbed his hat from the rack just inside. Then he turned and headed toward the stable. The ride to town was not a long one, and by steed it was mere minutes. Soren arrived at Conrad's home and tied his horse to a post out front. As he approached the house, a figure stepped from the shadows alongside the building. It was an average-sized male wearing a hooded cloak. The clothing under the cloak had a strange appearance. Soren had never seen the woven fabric of blue-colored stripes before. Soren? The stranger spoke. His brows dropped and skepticism befell him. Perhaps? Who's asking? We have to help Conrad, Soren. I'm not sure what kind of time we have. Follow me. The man swooped his arm in a motion, suggesting Soren follow him as he began to head behind the building. Listen, I don't know who you are, but where's Conrad? Are you the friend he mentioned? The man stopped and pulled down his hood to reveal a fair-complexioned blonde man with a strong, square chin. I am. My name's Casimir. I'm part of a group that can help you in your revolution. Soren looked directly into the man's hazel-colored eyes. I have no revolution. Conrad is impressionable. Was it you that put these ideas into his head? Where the hell is he? He was taken. I was stationed at a table near the two of you in the tavern. He hoped we could meet during your lunch. I followed him out, but as I approached the door, four men grabbed Conrad. And you did nothing? I did not attack four men, no. But I did not do nothing. I visited the castle and discovered where they were keeping him. The castle? They took him to the castle? And you went there? Just in the last few hours, you traveled across the country to the castle, searched for Conrad, and returned here to wait for me? I've had about enough of this. Follow me, friend. I can make this make more sense, the stranger assured him. We're not friends, Casimir. If you can't make this make sense very quickly, I will turn you into the Habsburgs myself. I have no love for them, but I'm tending toward favoring them over your foolishness. Casimir continued from where he stood and walked back across the yard toward a neatly completed small barn. Conrad asked you to visit his barn, right? Here it is. Very nice. Now get to explaining. Casimir motioned again, and Soren followed him to a pile of dirt alongside the barn. He picked up a long pole and thrust it into a stone that barely showed at the base of the corner of the barn's foundation. A piercing noise rung out, and Soren covered his ears. Very peculiar cornerstone you have there, Soren noted. 
peculiar is a start. Look, there's only one way for me to demonstrate this. It's not very easy to explain, but if you could lend me your trust for but five minutes, you'll understand completely. Still skeptical, but also ready to put this to rest, Soren nodded his agreement. Casimir kicked some dirt into the hole, covering the stone, and walked around the corner with Soren following. He grabbed the knob of the door on the side of the barn and flung it open. I need you to grab my arm so I don't lose you. I'm familiar with this castle and can guide us. Should I lose you, your unfamiliarity could get you lost to all of time and space, Casimir said with a very serious look. I don't even know how to reply to that. Soren grabbed the man's arm with a tighter grip than he's ever held. As they stepped through the door, Soren became almost immediately lightheaded. The air was sucked from him as the space around him became completely unfamiliar. He could see Casimir was deep in concentration, so he gave the man his trust, and within a moment, it was all still once more, and he could feel the air around him still, and return to how it had always been. July 8, 1405, Hawks Castle, Argau, Switzerland. Soren fell into a stance that was ready for attack. A room of stone surrounded the pair. It's okay, you can relax for a moment. Where are we? What kind of sorcery? Soren was confused. I can't get into why or how, but this is what Conrad was trying to tell you about. We built a doorway that can take us anywhere that we would like to go, as long as we can imagine it. Well, that limits it quite a bit. Where exactly would a group of peasants be able to imagine? Although, I suppose trimming some time off of the trip to the tavern might be worth it alone. For now, you have me. I've been quite a few places and have access to resources that you cannot. This is just the tip of the iceberg, though, my friend. We can discuss it further after we grab Conrad and get out of here. Casimir handed Soren an axe that was laying in the corner and pulled a dagger from under his robes for his own defense. The pair exited the room through a large wooden door and made their way down the hallway. I brought us right around the corner, just down this hall, really. He's not yet been put behind bars, but he is being interrogated at the moment. Maybe even tortured by now, Casimir whispered. Torture? Why are we sneaking then? Let's get down there. Soren picked up the pace. As they approached the door, Soren raised his leg and flung his boot forward, kicking the door clear off its hinges. A man with a sword stood behind two men at the table. One he recognized as Conrad. Soren immediately tossed his axe at the swordsman. The axe split the man's chest open. As his sword slipped from his hand, Soren grabbed it and swung it across the table behind him. The head of the interrogator slid off and dropped onto its left ear, directly in front of Conrad. Conrad was horrified. You've had some experience with this, I take it, asked Casimir as he watched Soren pull the axe from the man's chest, spilling blood across the floor. Soren breathed out heavily staring down at the bloodied blade, his hands shaking when previously they had been solid and strong. Not in many years, but I could not stand the thought of Conrad's torture, and something reactivated inside me. I... I can hardly gaze upon my own handiwork. You unleashed the devil, I'd say. Now make short work of those chains and let's get out of here. Conrad stood up and Soren went about removing his shackles. Thank you for coming for me. I'm sorry, Soren. I wanted you involved, but not like this. We can talk about it later. You are not forgiven, but I'm glad you're not dead. Soren gave a half smile. The three men exited the room, and Soren began running back toward the room they began in. 
Where are you going? Casimir shouted to Soren. We're going back, right? Yes, but it doesn't work like that. There's no cornerstone on this side. We have to use other means. Casimir pulled out a round container with a small green stone embedded in the center that was attached to his belt. He turned a cap on the side and poured some water onto the floor. He looked back at the other men and said, follow me. He then plunged into the puddle on the floor and disappeared from sight. Soren and Conrad looked at each other with less confusion than they may have if somebody did this the day prior. You first, Soren said. Conrad approached the small pool of water and leaped in. Soren followed. And then, nothing. The three men stood in the space that was just nothing. Are we dead? Soren asked, looking about for some form of a landmark, something that might explain what purgatory he had been plunged into. Casimir chuckled. No, just give it a moment. Conrad became very anxious. Hasn't it been a moment already? I'm tired of waiting. Wow, you cracked really fast. It's been nearly 20 seconds. Calm down. After about a minute, a door appeared. It took you long enough, said a voice on the other side. Casimir stepped through, followed by the others. Cora, thanks for waiting. Cora stood there, a brunette in clothing that was very peculiar to Soren. She was adorned in a short sleeveless dress with a wide neckline and thin shoulder straps. No woman he knew would ever think of wearing such a thing. Well, this was my fault in part. It was only fair. In part? The council's going to withdraw my membership for certain after this. I've had friends that have dated tree huggers and animal rights activists. Of course, I find the girl that gets turned on by overthrowing tyrannous governments. This one is hardly a government, Cora shot back. Well, either way, it hardly falls within our purpose. Soren spoke up. Excuse me, can we get back to the matter at hand? What's next? Oh, so now you're in? Got a taste for blood and now the devil wants some more? Casimir teased. I've been seen with Conrad just before his arrest. There is a man without a head and a man with his chest split wide in a room right now. A room that Conrad escaped from. I didn't ask to be in this, but clearly I am now. Let's sleep here this evening, and in the morning, we'll need to gather some forces with haste, Casimir replied. July 10th, 1405. The village was bustling as the foursome approached. Conrad and I will warn the leaders in town of the impending attack by the Haps. In the meantime, you two come up with a plan. We haven't more than a day or two. Soren headed toward the tavern in the center of town. Conrad ran ahead and opened the door for Soren. The older farmer stepped through as he'd done many times before. Gentlemen, he shouted, we are here to speak of revolution. We don't want no part of that, spoke a voice from the corner. Want it or not makes no difference. We are not bringing revolution. Revolution is coming regardless. Conrad, see to it that nobody leaves this room until we have an understanding. These walls have treacherous ears. Conrad stepped to the door and withdrew the canteen from the day before. He poured a moat around himself in the door. You all would do well not to get your feet wet. A man close to the first table stood. You can't keep us here. I have business to tend to. By all means, Levi, 
Soren stepped aside and gestured that he may leave. As he did, several other men in the room stood. They watched as the man made his way toward the door. He slowed his step as he approached the water on the ground. He could be seen sizing it up, but it was clearly too wide for him to leap. Surely a bit of water on his shoe could not cause him harm. What if it wasn't water? Could it be a poison? He was not going to be held captive. With full confidence, the man stepped forward into the water. His foot slid through the floor and he fell forward, completely engulfed. Anybody else looking for a swim? Or may we speak? The room fell silent to a hush, save for the whispered words of witchcraft and sorcery. The room was lively with discussion over the next several hours. A demonstration of the power that has been made available to them went a long way. Nobody in the room knew of a time when they were not lorded over by a family, and there was not one person in the room that didn't loathe that family. Even the spies therein did not object. By the end of the day, every person of influence was on board with the plan Soren and his team had put forth. Trust was gained. Nice work, everyone, Soren exclaimed as the group of four reunited. Casimir and Cora dumped a box onto a table nearby, containing a handful of familiar items, all adorned with green stones, as the canteen had been. We can use these to get an upper hand, but we'll need to collect them and return them before they are noticed to be missing, Cora informed Conrad and Soren. Of course, we just appreciate the assistance. We couldn't do any of this if not for your assistance, Soren nodded and smiled. July 12, 1405 the sound of horse hooves echoed through the valley. The village itself was unusually quiet and still. Soren was at the edge of town with a couple others when two men approached on horseback. The coat of arms on the chest of the pale brunette man that led the way displayed the double-headed eagle of the Habsburg crest. We're here to reclaim a fugitive and intend to arrest a murderer. Stand aside, shouted the man from his horse. If a murderer you seek, then may I present to you a murderer. Soren pulled back his vest to reveal the bloody axe from the castle. The other man on horseback pulled out a horn and began to blow. Soren smiled. The first horseman dismounted and approached Soren with his sword drawn. The small army outside the village could be heard approaching. Conrad stepped out from behind a nearby shed. It's the traitor, said a horseman. I never owed allegiance to you. I'm no traitor. Conrad reached behind himself and pulled out a slingshot. You may want to call off your army. Or they'll get bothered by pebbles? I think not. As the mounted forces came over the hill, Conrad shouted, Attack! The horses picked up speed as they approached. Conrad scooped his hand into a bag attached to his belt. The pebbles poured into the end of the sling and he pulled back. As he released, the shots spread a spray of green stones across the front line of horses. The steeds froze and the men fell to the ground. The equines behind slamming into the lines in front and collapsed in a mess of soldiers and injured mounts. Villagers poured out from around the nearby building, armed with makeshift weapons. They stomped on soldiers, swung spears, flung knives, and hammered the army into submission with ease. Soren approached the survivor that was pulling himself up. Tell your people that we won't be bothered by them any longer, and we will actively work to disrupt their hold over all parts of this land. We know this isn't over, but we've got time on our side. The soldier was terrified. 
Conrad walked up to a frozen horse and tapped it with a pebble. The horse sprung to life and crashed into the ground before it. That should help you get back. Have a safe ride. The soldier mounted his horse and left without a glance behind him. Soren patted Conrad on the shoulder and made his way into the nearby building, where Casimir and Cora were waiting in a small room. He entered with a big grin. Friends, with these tools, we are no longer ruled over. We are the masters of our own fates. Thank you very much. Soren approached Casimir with his arms extended. Casimir was caught off guard. Of course, Soren. We were happy to loan them. I'm grateful they could... He grunted, choked a little, and dropped to the ground. Cora shrieked when she saw the dagger protruding from Casimir's back. Sweet Cora, this pains me to have to do, but I cannot let the people of this land, my family, my friends, fall under this tyranny again. This is not our last battle, and we cannot be left helpless. Soren pulled out his axe. Fourteen forty-three, Huron, Switzerland. Conrad Bowman stood looking out over the grounds of his estate from the large window of his loft. He tossed a small green stone into the air, catching it and tossing it again. Not a day goes by that he doesn't think about the battles fought in the name of his people's freedom, and the subsequent wealth made available to him and his peers upon gaining that freedom. Hello there, he said, fairly calmly, but with his heart rate beginning to increase. He turned to address his company. I was attempting stealth, but I'm honestly not known for my subtlety. A tall blonde woman stood before him, her hair pulled and tucked into a bun. Not her preferred style, but she was not preparing for a date. I wondered how long it would take them to send somebody. May I pour you a drink, miss? He trailed. Sorensen, but you may call me Greta if you like. I'm not very thirsty at the moment, but if that changes, I'll help myself on the way out. Conrad began laughing hysterically. Sorensen? I didn't think it was that funny, but I'll take it. They sent a witch derived from the devil himself? They didn't send me. I'm cleaning up some messes made by my family, and you're next on the list. What gives you the right? You've likely benefited just as much as I, perhaps even more so. A spoiled brat with a charmed life, thanks to what we did here? When does your family get their reckoning? I am my family's reckoning, Greta stepped closer. So what is this then? You are here to assassinate an old man? Great legacy you left, Sorin. If I wanted to assassinate you, you'd already have fallen. I'm not that dramatic. Our families have a long history or future where you're concerned. The benefits these tools brought you served a noble purpose, but ultimately you and your heirs simply replaced the Habsburgs in their ways. It takes another 600 years for my family to find a just purpose again in me. I'm here to negotiate a just purpose for your lineage now. Let's just say it might spare the neck of your great-grandson in the coming century, and some really shameful legacy-destroying acts in a couple hundred years. So let's discuss what you can do to distribute some of these benefits, and ensure that nobody loses their heads in the process. Greta took a seat across from Conrad, and he slid into the chair across from her. The confusion of a combined disappointment and relief replacing mortal fear on his face. 